Hollywood must be stopped. I think this is how we, we begin every episode, but seriously, they're officially out of control now. Have you gotten a chance to see the trailer for Disconnected yet? No. Okay. Is it a sequel to the movie called Connected, which I think what starred Jason Bateman and I don't know, there's a number of like little to no one's seen uh, unseen thrillers where mm. dads have to protect like uh, their daughters on the internet. Uh, one starred David Schwimmer. Yes. Another one starred uh, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say Harold. I can't. I'm blanking on the actor's name. Harold from Harold and Kumar. <laughs> Um, and I think another one. Another one had uh, was directed by Jason Reitman and starred Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. That's that's what this movie kind of sounds like. Is it? Uh, no, uh, kind of, sort of, not really. It is about okay. a father and daughter who have sadly been disconnected um, from oh, from their th- life. See, I told you, dad, father, daughter. <laughs> it's always about dads. It's always about yeah. dads. Um, yeah. No, it's it's an animated film, and it's by uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller of uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs fame, and many yes. many other things. But the animation Clone High, movie. the logo, yeah, the logo, mm-hmm. movie, the Lego Movie, <laughs> the logo Movie. <laughs> yes. Um, the, the animation style is very reminiscent of uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And let me tell you, the trailer is a long walk to what it's actually about. <laughs> oh, the okay. first half of the, of the trailer is about this father and the daughter, and they used to get along so well, but now the phone has gotten in the way. Oh, technology, uh, gross. <laughs> awful. And this, so I'm it glad sets we're up... subjecting our kids to this. Exactly. This is what matters. And they're setting up the premise that uh, it's her last weekend before college, so instead of flying her out, they're going to road trip across America to reconnect, you see. And he has a very strict no-phones policy because he's a Luddite at heart. Uh, Complicating all this is the fact that they release a robot, some kind of helper robot, and then there is a a robot uprising and a rebellion. So now you understand why this film had to be animated. (laughs) Sweet. So... Already, like, we're having reactionary uh, fear centered around technology. Oh, absolutely. That's yeah. never that's never going away. <laughs> yes, but we're using the, the power of human imagination mm-hmm. to say, like, what if we made it more literal and just had robots uh, invade and, and take over humanity and affect the sacred bonds between fathers and daughters? Exactly, um, exactly. It's a metaphor, people. It's working on yeah. so many levels. <laughs> it's, indeed. <laughs> I'm mean, really glad... Yo, go ahead. I mean, I guess what bothers me is the fact that, as a very common complaint, oh, trailers give away too much. But this is like, I am talking like a long walk. Literally, the first half is like, oh, fathers and daughters, when will they ever reconnect? And then it's like, at the end, robot uprising. <laughs> like, what is happening? <laughs> All right, fair enough. I mean, but John, it sounds like you're not exposed to this uh, genre of trailer of movie, a family animated movie, mm. because you may recall... This past Christmas time, uh, Fox released an animated movie called Spies in Disguise to no one's acclaim. Everybody <laughs> uh, thought, yes. get this crap now out of I here. Remember. All right, yes. we're here to talk about Star Wars. That, that stars one William Smith, I believe. One yes. William Smith? Uh, William you? Smith and Thomas Holland, I think. Yeah. Okay. Right. Th- those two. And it, it, they had a very similar trailer. And I, don't, I don't mean similar as in there's a robot uprising, but it seems like they're just setting up a spy movie. But instead, in a in a Shyamalan esque twist, <laughs> it's a, it sets up the real comic premise, and that is uh, Will Smith's spy character gets turned into the most innocuous undercover animal you could think of, a, a pigeon, mm. and he basically has to live life as a pigeon. So, like I said, Hollywood is out of control. And what's even more yeah. embarrassing is that these are animated films, which means that a lot more thought and a lot more planning had to go into it, and they didn't yeah, at any fair. point stop and think, uh, do we really need a Will Smith pigeon movie? I. 
well, John, you, the way when you phrase it that way, <laughs> the answer is obviously yes. <laughs> I mean, you're right. On paper, Will Smith Pigeon movie obviously puts butts into seats, but in execution, sadly, I think they let us yeah. down. Yes, <sighs> it sounds like a better premise than Seven Pounds. Mm. However, <laughs> you say that it requires more thought somehow. I disagree. I think, but a better premise because... than Collateral Beauty? Mm, debatable. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yes, but. Because the market is so saturated, uh, because we seem to have an, uh, an endless supply of, of animated family movies, mm-hmm. that I think less thought is going into it, and mm-hmm. they just kind of pour out like, "Hey, we've got these this army of of uh, programmers in India, we're rendering this thing day and night, so we got to put them to work somehow on something." Yes, I did read that a lot of finales of of superhero movies kind of felt a little samey, like they're always like on city streets or there's always some kind of beam. It's because those are the easiest things to render. They've rendered them yes. a thousand times before and it's actually much <laughs> easier and much quicker for these Indian or South Korean uh, uh, rendering farms to actually take care of this stuff. So Exactly. It's nice to know that and the so- creative energy is still alive and well in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going back to like this uh, golden era, maybe mm. of the of the 1940s and 50s, where they just got to churn stuff out. They got to pump them out. Like mm. you know, we got to keep got to keep going, got to keep moving. We've got more and more services. We got to keep the 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 masses happy with their bread and and or circuses. So. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> yeah, good. John, times. speaking of golden, I know. Speaking of golden eras, mm. let's talk about well first this golden era is coming to an end we're gonna go mm. on a hiatus yes <laughs> uh, for a month so it's been a long i road. mean i wish i paid better attention to the schedule because we technically could have done something next week but yeah, let's just yeah, let's yeah. just yeah, yeah take a few we're taking a few weeks off folks because we're tired we're tired I, no you're tired i've got energy to burn <laughs> oh but you're please. the you're the soft one that's gonna be like oh i've got i've, I've got to do a job <laughs> no thank you <laughs> Two jobs. I have two jobs right now. Thank you very much, sir. Unless okay, you can include the podcast, which is like its own job. Am I right, folks? Indeed, Am yes, I right, yes. fellas? Talk, talking with you is indeed. <laughs> hey, hey, rude. <laughs> Nailed him. Nailed him. <laughs> but yes, we're going to be taking a, a, a month-long hiatus. Mm-hmm. We're going to be taking a break as I... as. Uh, we've got Greg's bachelor party planned. I've got my two-week uh, honeymoon going on, so we're just not going to have as much enough time to dedicate to the podcast. No. But that doesn't necessarily mean we're not coming back. It's just we can't really promise when we're coming back and in what form we're coming back. Yeah. So. <laughs> exactly, because I, I don't know. I, I feel like we do a good show. Um, however, <laughs> like it's it's obvious we need to switch things up because yeah. we've been doing this. This is our 173rd episode. And they've all been pretty much the same, mm. wherein you and I talk. We have differing but mild opinions about a movie. Mm. And then we do a spotlight, and then we end. <laughs> and occasionally there'll be jokes in between then. Mm. Um, not well-constructed well ones, but they are indeed jokes. So, I don't know, hopefully we'll switch it up. We'll have more guests. We'll, I don't know, diversify. Not just not just in the art form that we're looking at, but... Or, excuse me, not just in the movies we're looking at, but maybe the art form. Maybe we'll talk about, I don't know a TV show or something we're more familiar with, I think that'll also help because um, mm-hmm. we're seeing these things for the first time. And I'm sorry if we don't exactly form a cogent opinion on them immediately. So Exactly. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of movies that you have to see twice to really kind of form a, a valid opinion on. I remember not liking mm-hmm. 2001 A Space Odyssey the first time I saw it. And now I love that yeah. movie. So who knows? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Although, speaking of which, this is the first time I'm seeing this week's movie. Yeah, speaking of Golden Age, as I mentioned earlier... Um, I wanted to take it back to the, to a, a golden age of Americana, um, the 1950s. Hey! Uh, yeah. 
And um, sock yes, hops well, and soda pops and hey, <laughs> it's the big bopper. <laughs> yes. Well, you're drawing on uh, some of those nostalgic things for the early 1950s. Let's look at a a film with a title that's apropos for this particular podcast and uh, cast our minds to uh, maybe a movie that has a different perspective on it. And of course, we're talking about the Peter Bogdanovich directed The Last Picture Show. You need a haircut. Hey, come on, Jimmy Sue. We're hungry over here. Coming on in a Hold your horses. When you're gone, yet I'll dream a little. Uh oh, better watch it. Here comes your mama. Now and then, there's a J.C., we're having supper at home tonight. I expect you there in 15 minutes. You hear? Okay, Mama. I was just giving the boys a ride. Mm. Hey, Adeline. Cards on the table. The uh, title is qu- uh, quite a bit of a misnomer because it's not technically <laughs> much about the picture show, let me tell you. No, I told you that last week. You thought it was like Cinema Paradiso when it would be like, oh, this fawning love letter to the movies centered mm-hmm. uh, around a, a coming-of-age tale. I mean, but, it uh, kind of is, but only very tangentially. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is a movie definitely about ennui and 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 just hurtling towards entropy. You know, everything is slowly dying. I mean, <laughs> you look at the production design of this film. There's post-apocalyptic films that have better production design than this. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you mean better better constructed? Yeah, yes, design. better yes. constructed because everything yeah. in this film is dingy and dusty and broke and and just dilapidated (laughs) yes so this movie produced in 1971 uh takes place in 1951 the fall of 1951 stretching all the way to this uh fall of 1952 Mm -hmm. in a fictionalized north texas town uh that is as you said dying people are moving away the only source of income is to work like the oil derricks for like uh the the wealthy guy in town Mm -hmm. um yeah, not everybody's like motivated. As you said, there's like a crippling sense of ennui. The dust is always blowing and through this like small dingy town. Yeah, I mean, and it, it takes place in the 1950s, but it feels like it could have taken place in like the 1930s. Like you wouldn't yes. be surprised if Okies were going by, which is mm-hmm. kind of appropriate because the other the only other film we visited from Peter Bogdanovich is Paper Moon, which is definitely taking place <laughs> in that era. So yes. Now that is more reminiscent of kind of screwball comedies and, mm-hmm. and tries to have a lighter heart to it. Uh, and this one hews a little bit closer to realism and tries to, even though this movie kind of it set not it didn't set a template, but kind of 
um, took advantage of the 20-year cycle in which, like, oh, we're nostalgic for, again, the the, the city pool hall and mm. the greasy spoon and the and the picture show, the, the movie yeah. theater, even though it's kind of like, um, even though it's touching on those kind of nostalgic touches, it is not a nostalgic film. No, um, not at all. This is, yeah, <laughs> this is a very, uh, I think, um, a very dark portrait in small-town American life. Mm. And it centers around um, the star of the show, Timothy Bottoms, again, a, a character you never heard of, but this movie did kind of launch uh, uh, three of its stars in, into stardom. Timothy Bottoms, who plays Sonny, uh, his best friend Dwayne, played by young Jeff Bridges, and uh, the, the object of their, both their affections, Janie, mm-hmm. played by Sybil Shepard. Yeah. Or excuse me, JC. JC, played by Sybil Shepard. And we uh, follow their travails as they're going through their senior year of high school and uh, wondering mm-hmm. about what they're going to do next. Yes. Um, I want to bring up the point. I can't, I can't help but uh, compare this to Paper Moon because we have seen Paper Moon before for this podcast. Mm-hmm. And then, like, uh, that's a movie I really, really enjoyed. And unfortunately, I did not enjoy this movie as much, even though I did thought I did think it was is quite good. Um, mm-hmm. But you kind of hit the nail on the head, which is part of the charm of that movie is it's much more of a screwball comedy, and it feels more quote unquote movie like. Whereas this one obviously is going for a sense of, of verisimilitude, but I couldn't help but kind of feel squeamish watching it. Like we're tourists here, like we're kind of yeah. like watching misery porn, and there's like a there's like a certain distance that just kind of makes it just a, a slight feeling of authentic inauthenticity to it. Unfortunately, because I don't know much about Peter Bogdanovich's past, <laughs> but I don't think he grew up in a rural Texas town. Believe it or not. <laughs> No, and that's that's fair because um, it's it's odd that you say that because actually my first exposure to this movie was in a film class mm-hmm. where the the film professor said this I I always have a, a sore spot for this this movie because I feel like it did reflect my upbringing in a very rural Texas town okay. so yeah so at, at least she found some honesty in it as do I like I think. I, I'm glad that it's not like fawning over your senior year of high school. Like it does, like kind of want to pull the pull up the the seedy underbelly, kind of living uh, underneath this dying Texas town. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm glad that I was glad I'm glad that it was willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you made a direct comparison to Peter Bogdanovich's film, which is more like a conventional popular entertainment. I'm comparing it to uh, a very similar film, American Graffiti, mm-hmm. which is much more like kind of. Uh, nostalgic color like literally like you know has has these bright neon lights behind it and really tries to evoke a a nostalgic feeling Mm. whereas this one's willing to uncover like (laughs) the and speaking to our preferences i'm looking to kind of uncover those deep-seated emotions and explore them uh subtly Mm. uh which this movie does old times i brought a young lady swimming out here once more than 20 years ago after my wife had lost her mind my boys was dead me and this young lady was pretty wild I guess and pretty deep we used to come out here horseback and go swimming without no bathing suits (laughs) one day she wanted to swim the horses across this tank Kind of a crazy thing to do, but we'd done it anyway. She bet me a silver dollar she could beat me across. She did. This old horse I was riding didn't want to take the water. But she was always looking for something to do like that. Something wild. 
I bet she's still got that silver dollar. Whatever happened to her? Oh, she growed up. She was just a girl then, really. Uh, the other point of comparison, which uh, shan't be overlooked, is the fact that this is very much in the same vein as The Graduate, because yes. uh, it is about kind of a listless youth who ends up shacking up with a much older, more experienced woman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mrs. Robinson, I, guess... I think you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for mentioning that, because this is the second film we've watched from the very same year, 1971, mm-hmm. about a May-December romance where a much younger man uh, fall, uh, gets courted by a older woman. Mm-hmm. The other being Harold and Maude. I don't know if I said that. No, you 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 mentioned those. <laughs> We've revisited that before. So. Yeah. We haven't done The Graduate because we've both seen The Graduate, and uh, I don't think we both care for it. So, anywho. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's fine. So, uh, anywho's will be, yes. Uh, Sonny falls into the affections, uh, or um, gets courted by uh, Cloris Leachman's character, Ruth. Mm-hmm. She's a psychiatrically unwell housewife mm-hmm. um, who's married to the... Local high school gym teacher who's just and, oh, just perfect characterization. Just <laughs> we're introduced to him with a smash cut from literature class. And to, yes. come on, you come on, you faggots, keep running. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I do like yeah I, I do like the direction. That's a little like comedy shot where it's like it's a close up. Like as you said, it's a smash cut. Mm-hmm. It's it's compelling. Like you know oh now rough we're in gym class, but then it pulls out to reveal that he's like encouraging them to like you know pick their butts up and keep moving when he's sitting on a chair. <laughs> and doing and doing spit he's <laughs> or uh, yeah, yeah chew, chewing tobacco <laughs> yeah yeah so I like I like those shots I also like um, in the beginning where yeah we are watching this de- dusty Texas town and at one point like a I think one of the opening shots is like framed through the broken window of a truck and <laughs> uh, I I do like when his friend Dwayne comes along and they they kind of like practice football their team is terrible or whatever but the the camera's kind of dollying along with them and it felt like oh like it, it was a good opening gambit to like say like oh the we're high school seniors the world's ahead of us yes. <laughs> little do we know that yeah our innocence will be destroyed and uh, part of it being this gym teacher because all of this is you have to kind of infer it so as we see Ruth is a little bit psychologically unwell because we see only like she visits the hospital once Mm-hmm. Like she has to be taken to the, or excuse me, a few times, uh, she she gets ferried to and from the doctor's office by young Sonny, and the other implication is the gym teacher wants his high school students to do it is because uh, the teacher is a closeted gay man and can't satisfy his wife, and he's kind of somewhat recruits <laughs> these young virile men mm-hmm. to do it for him, and he gets to basically uh, I don't know play grab ass in the showers and. <laughs> And I like those, and I like how like subtle it is with that. It's it's touched on more in the novel, but um, I like how the film like subtle it subtly touches those things. Now, granted, it's also 1971. It can't like, I, <laughs> not without getting obscenity charges, have like an out and out gay character or yeah, I don't know, show say the 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 horrors of electroshock therapy at this rate, but mm-hmm. at this point in history. But uh, again, I like how I like those subtle I I like how subtly it deals with the subject matter at this at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do have to kind of infer a lot that's that's going on. Um, and then the other complications throughout the plot uh, revolve around Jeff Bridges' character and his girlfriend slash yeah. fiance. It's all very complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I don't want to characterize uh, her character as a whore, but... Uh... <laughs> well, I think she's misguided. I, not misguided, but again, another very innocent character who's br- brushing up the, uh, let's say, horrors of adulthood. Mm-hmm. Because we have Sonny, like, obviously, running into a very complicated relationship between his closeted 
gym teacher and his uh, much older wife. So, like, obviously there's a lot of complicated relationships. Later, they do a few jokes, like, everybody knows about what's going on in this May-December romance. Mm -hmm. Uh, JC, the woman, uh, the character played by Sybil Shepard, has similar problems because her mother is, is, it, let's, let's just call her what she is. She's a harlot. She's the town bicycle. Like, she's the one, like, sleeping around (laughs) with the rich father who's, like, yeah. She obviously married him for money, and she's kind of uh, encouraging her daughter to do the same. And uh, as a result, her daughter kind of uh, goes off and does her own little activities with the boys as kind of like a way. But again, she can't really quite figure out what she wants. She obviously has eyes for Jeff Bridges' character, Dwayne, but Dwayne is very poor. So yeah. And well, I think she, I think she knows she wants to be an adult. Mm-hmm. Like that's what that's the thing. And what keeps complicating that is like her mother telling you, "Oh, marry rich." And the rich uh, boyfriend who uh, who catches her affection says, like, oh, don't be a virgin. Mm-hmm. And so that's what motivates her to basically take advantage of Dwayne. And Dwayne has his own complica- complications because they do set up this uh, this rendezvous at a motel. And uh, he's impotent at that point. So yes. He can't perform, which is a perfectly yeah. normal thing for, at his age. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's that's I, perfectly I fine. Right. I mean, I, I yeah. don't know why I mean, they could, they play it for laughs, but it's it's a very serious matter. I don't know why. Exactly. They yeah. Yeah. Thank you for taking the bullet on that <laughs> on that joke, John. <laughs> well, why don't we just take off and go someplace? I'm sick and tired of this town. You're the only friend I got here. You mean go and stay gone? So JC, no, I don't know. Hey, we go to Mexico. Be back sometime Monday. You reckon to pick up and make it? Yeah, mind how much money you got? Oh, thirty bucks, about. Well, I got 40. We can make her on that. Come on. Okay. Hey, where are you going? Mexico. Where? Better come with us, Sam. We're headed for the valley. Who and where did you say? Mexico. Uh, here's about the wildest. All the way down. You going all the way to Mexico tonight in this old heap of junk? <laughs> Uh, reckon the town get along without us till Monday? Oh, I reckon. If I was young enough to bounce that far, I'd go with you. Need any money? No, oh, we got plenty. Well, you better take some for some insurance. Take money below that border, it sort of melts sometimes. Thanks, Sam. And try not to drink too much of that buggy water. Oh, we'll just drink beer and tequila. <laughs> You catch a clap, you wish you hadn't got nothing. <laughs> and she eventually kind of hooks up with her rich friends, one of the which is played by a very young Randy Quaid. <laughs> I was yes. like, I, a, I, a, I was a young, mentally stable Randy Quaid. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I was taken aback. I was like, oh, that's Randy Quaid. Interesting. Uh, they end up like skinny dipping. Like, oh, it's just classic 70s cinema. Like, the Hayes Code is done, so it's just titties for days. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Again, another point of, uh, of affection for this particular movie. <laughs> but yes, as you said, like skinny dipping. And I love those scenes for playing, like, Again, we could be like nostalgic, and you could say like, "Oh, I remember those high school memories where we were a bit cheeky and you know, had fun." This movie played for like the horrible awkwardness that maybe like uh, either the author Larry McMurdy felt or like relaying from some women's experience because yes. they say like, "Oh, this is your first time at one of our skinny dipping pool parties. You have to do it on the diving board in front of everybody." Mm-hmm. So then, it, like, it suddenly goes quiet, and Sybil Shepherd, like, you know, very awkwardly and slowly, like, takes off her her clothes and yeah it's not played for like the fun nostalgic way that mm-hmm. you think there's it would no be. music it's, it's, so it's, it's yeah. very awkward 
Yeah, I mean, you could say that extends to all the sex scenes. There are there is a lot of sex in this movie, but it's all weirdly unerotic and very mechanical. It's very transactional because yeah. obviously uh, uh, Sybil Shepherd's character wants to basically have sex just so she's no longer a virgin. She just wants to like move on, and then obviously the boys are kind of just interested because in, they're just you know animals by nature, and obviously they don't have a lot to look <laughs> forward to in their lives. So it's like they're they're kind of using it as an escape. Yeah, I don't think they're animals by nature. I I do think, at least with Timothy Bottoms' character, you do get a good like internalized life mm-hmm. because he's got a surrogate father in uh, the in the owner of a pool hall slash <laughs> picture show slash uh, greasy spoon. That's all connected by one building, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, in Sam the Lion, mm-hmm. he's the heart of the town. Sam the Lion. Yeah. Yes. And so, like, yeah, he has a surrogate father there, and he's also got the responsibility. He's got to look over his uh, mentally challenged brother. Mm-hmm. And that's also something that's played very subtly, I think. Like, you wouldn't even know until they somebody, like, calls it out. Essentially, you just think that he's mute or something, or very shy. Yeah, I mean, there's um, weird little touches. Like, for instance, one of the big things is that he, he sweeps, and he ends up, like, sweeping not just the sidewalk, but also the street itself. Um, yeah. So it's like, yeah, they imply it very subtly at the very beginning. He is a little bit slow, and there's obviously the little <laughs> ritual he does with his hat. Like, very, very much like now we know we would characterize it as, like, on the spectrum. But um, Yes, yeah. well, yeah, and also I think it's a it's an allusion to Catcher in the Rye. He mm-hmm. turns his hat backwards, and the idea is like, oh, I'll catch uh, people from losing their innocence, or whatever. So, oh, interesting. I, interesting. I think that's what I think that's what that subtle touch is. Yeah, yeah. I just I just mentioned it to make myself look area dyed. Yeah, of really course. Smart, well, so. I mean, you already you already examined this movie for a class, so la di da, yeah. Mr. French man. <laughs> yeah, that, that was only a decade ago. <laughs> so. <laughs> Hey, Andy. Yeah, it's a wonder somebody don't steal the town. Hey, where's everybody? Sleep. Everybody's got any sense. Yeah, well, why'd Sam close the cafe? Oh, yeah, y'all been gone, ain't you? Gone to Mexico. You don't know about it. About what? Sam died yesterday morning. Yeah. Yep, quite a blow. Killed over one of the snooker tables. Had a stroke. Sam the lion? Yep. Sam's dead. He was quite a feller. He had his own way of doing things, that's for sure. They found his will. Craziest thing you ever heard. He left you the pool hall, Sonny. What do you think about that? He left Genevieve's a cafe. That's the only thing he done that made any sense. Left the picture show to old Miss Mosey. Hell, she's too far gone to even run a popcorn machine. And the craziest thing of all, he left $1,000 to Joe Bob Blanton, a preacher's boy. Beats all I ever heard of. Now, he could just as easily left that to me, because I deserve at least as much as that ignorant little bastard. Anyhow, it's done. They're burying him tomorrow. But yeah, so the Sam the Lion character... Um, mm-hmm. What was kind of interesting about the, his his character is the fact that he he's you know he's obviously very stoic. He gets the a very great like push in kind of shot where he's like describing like the yeah, land didn't used to be yeah. like this. Um, yes. <laughs> but what's weird is his character kind of keels over halfway through the movie, and I thought that was yeah. what the movie was leading to. But it turns out that's only an act break because the the film is bifurcated between like when Sam is alive, he's the beating heart of the town, and then after he dies, and watching everything just kind of even decay even quicker. 
so yes so yeah that's kind of the as you said like the the big act twist and every, everything's going fine again it's kind of like other than those touches it's a very realistic movie so it's not like you know where where the setups and payoffs that we're mm-hmm. seeing yet or something or not clear motivation it's not until the end when twists start to come back like um same line as you said like the camera pushes it in on a monologue where um you know he laments not like going after the girl or he does go after the girl and she and her but her feelings are unrequited mm-hmm. and it's revealed later that it's actually jc's mother who is that girl yep and so who ended up and so, marrying rich <laughs> yep yep <laughs> in a loveless marriage yep and i do love the framing too like of some of those scenes like you said a great push in on the monologue in a real location on this like you know dingy drying lake in the middle of nowhere texas mm-hmm. on a prairie and then later when sam the lion does die we see that jc's mom reaction is obviously way more devastated than everybody else in town and she walks away and it's a great shot where like she's in the lower third of the frame and instead we just see all the sky like kind of around them and it's like like something's missing in the frame so yeah that's that's all very good but yeah as you said like from here, the the tragedies start uh, piling up. Mm-hmm. Uh, JC and Dwayne break up. This causes Dwayne to act out violently against uh, uh, Sonny, yep. which uh, caused him blindness in one eye. Mm-hmm. Sonny and and Civil Shepherd's character end up running off and getting married. Uh. Yes, <laughs> but it gets annulled because yeah, this is after like she loses her virginity to uh, Dwayne, mm-hmm. and then like brushes him off because as you said, she wants to marry Rich. Mm-hmm. But the the rich boy has already like married another like recent high school grad, <laughs> so that that option's off the table. So now she falls into the arms of Sonny, mm-hmm. and and but that but her parents won't permit her to marry Sonny again. This this uh, half blind <laughs> uh, now store owner who's probably uh, shackled to this dying town for the rest of his life. Yeah. <laughs> And what's weird is like I don't I I don't understand that pool hall at all because it's like it only has a screen door and yes. there's one man who does have access to it after hours which he brings JC to and basically has her way with her on a pool table and that's like kind of yeah. her like true losing it kind of virginity you know her mm-hmm. loss of innocence because this guy's also been shacking up with her mom as well which ew. um yeah <laughs> I don't know it seems hot to me no. <laughs> Mothers and daughters, yeah, yeah baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so this like this pool hall is basically like a shack. It's a, it's a glorified yeah. shack. <laughs> like all the windows are busted out. You don't know how it's still standing. It's they don't seem to be charging any of the patrons money. Like I just I was so confused by the shit, by this by this pool hall <laughs> and the fact that this stranger has keys to it and access to it. I was very confused by all of it. <laughs> I well, there is one implication that um, he Sam Lyon also works as a bookie. Mm. Yeah, that so is true. Th- that's it. That's the other implication because they keep bringing up how terrible the local football team is. Yes, <laughs> and it's clear that somebody lost a bet on them. And yeah, you do get some like good dialogue there. Like you know, I should have put my faith in a different in a, in, in a different team or something. Like, and he says you put should have put your faith in a, in a new hometown. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's an A plus line right there. So mm-hmm. yep. So I think that's the implication there, and I don't know. Maybe it subsidizes, or maybe 
the pool hall is subsidized by uh, I don't know the the greasy the spoon dining, or yeah, the, the diner house. next door. Yeah, yeah. which mm-hmm. yeah. and that's the other thing. Like once Sam dies, he was also kind of in charge of the business of the picture show. So once that's out of mm-hmm. it, like once he's out of the picture, they can't really keep it running either. So again, just yeah. a, an, another metaphor for a dying town. <laughs> they can't even afford to have the escapist fare they used to. Exactly, and it this all culminates in. Uh, following one last uh, uh, talk with Dwayne and JC, Timothy Bottoms, or excuse me, uh, Sonny's brother is out in the middle of the street sweeping, as he mm-hmm. always does, and he gets hit by a car. Yep. And, um, yeah, we have one last, like, tragic shot, and and then a final heart-to-heart with the uh, the waitress, the real manager of the uh, diner. Yeah. Well, actually, the, the, the final kind of heart-to-heart is with Ruth. Because oh, that's he eventually, right. yeah. he eventually, he's inconsolable, so he has to go to like the last person he can kind of confide in, and that's Ruth. Even though he's basically blown her off to be with JC. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, she lets it, and her, she lets yeah. it have it fairly. Like she's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, fuck you. <laughs> exactly. That's the final like twist of the knife, sort of. So I'm glad that the movie like is willing to go the go those places, <laughs> like kind of emotionally devastating. And yeah, granted, you can call it a little contrived, maybe because again in the latter half of the movie all these like tragedies start to pile up and you're thinking like how much worse can it get for Sonny JC and the people of this town mm-hmm. so I mean it's also like a little cliche at this point to have like the kind of innocent childlike character like have to, yes. like have to be the one to die like the true symbol of lost innocence like ugh yeah I mean maybe yeah. in 1971 that was less expected but now nowadays you yeah know, that's yeah Never you mind, honey. Never you mind. It's, it's a very bleak movie, fairly bleak, mm-hmm. um, and, but well-directed. But again, I just couldn't, you know, break that feeling of like, uh, like, what are we, what are we doing this for? Is like, what is the <laughs> purpose of this exercise? If you're making a deep film, mm-hmm. yes, mission accomplished, but it doesn't completely feel 100% deep to me because it feels like misery tourism. Like, oh, these, these poor sods who have to live in rural Texas. Ugh, you know, like it was, it, it feels like it was made for a cosmopolitan audience. And so I think that's what is rubbing me the wrong way. Uh, you could be right because this is based on a Larry McMurdy novel who did grow up in a town, like literally he based it on this town. Mm-hmm. He had a trilogy of books like set here and he always lamented, like he did another Pulitzer Prize winning book called Lonesome Dove and he thought he was making like a, a radical Western or one that de- demystified it. But of course everybody thought like, oh, this is the ultimate like epic Western, oh. like this plays by genre <laughs> tropes and he's like, no, that's not what I intended. So I I do think it's like coming from an earnest place, but you're right. Maybe like the movie loses something when you've got like handsome Hollywood stars mm-hmm. like Jeff Bridges and Sybil Shepard, like kind of inhabiting these roles. And as you said, like 
it's it feels less true to life when you see like things set up in pay in act one you yeah, know exactly. pay off in act three yeah. like it it doesn't feel as honest and so mm-hmm. yeah you're right that said I, I do like kind of adore the movie for like still exploring those options uh, still exploring those emotions and for how well directed it is mm-hmm. because there's there is a lot of richness to it um even even if that that uh gold is fool is even if it is like fool's gold it's still like sparkly and you know kind of gives off a lot uh in my mind so no obviously there's a lot in my mind yeah there's no doubting the talent of everyone involved um Mm -hmm. and it's still an extremely well-made movie so i i I have to kind of yeah give it a recommendation for that just alone so even though yeah yeah, i obviously do i like paper moon more obviously so let's go see paper moon first (laughs) (laughs) it's a fun knockabout comedy you know i want my two hundred dollars yeah. So says so. Don't make it true. <laughs> I can't remember that exact that line exactly, but. <laughs> well, Greg, it looks like we're we're pulling into the station. It looks like I'm going off I to know. war, going off to Korea, <laughs> <laughs> going off to Korea. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because it does feed into what I want to talk about this in this particular uh, fi- possibly final spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Sorry, now, got... that, yeah, since you put finality on it, now I feel like I really have to like knock it out of the park. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, trust me, I'm not. But okay. uh, yeah, let's let's come on, John. Let's give him one more big, full throated spotlight. 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 It's time, Robbie. It's time. Yes. Dun 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 dun. Spotlight. That'll carry. Yes. And I thought about. You know, if we're going to be gone for a month, people are going to need to fill that content hole that we're leaving. Mm. I mean, this is an hour of mediocre entertainment that they're not <laughs> going to get every week. So, what could they possibly fill that with? I thought, how are people going to fill? It's going to fill this entertainment void in their lives. So, I started to look at um, a venerable troupe of online comedians that I know you and I love, mm-hmm. and I started to look at their back catalog because um, they ended a few, or at least ended. Um, excuse me, at least ended uh, doing episodes uh, regularly a few years ago. But I want to uh, commend the great folks at Five Second Films. Mm. <laughs> and particularly the sketch that you that you brought up, Grown Men Are Talking. Yes, so. <laughs> this doesn't concern you, Dufresne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, that's a fun little inside joke me and Greg do. I get to, I get yeah. to answer the phone every time he calls me. <laughs> yes, Grown Men Are Talking. <laughs> Where's that coffee boy? <laughs> Do frame you cockroach. Anyway, we'll stop. We'll stop it there. Five second films, as the name implies, <laughs> is uh, they would do a five second little sketch every week. Um, they every got day. More they did them every day, every weekday. Well, every weekday, yes. <laughs> and so, what, where exactly do I want to start? They the the more absurd and ridiculous, the better. Um, <laughs> One, my favorite is when they always did kind of this uh, Western cliche. Uh, in particular, my fa- one of my favorites was um, uh, it's called like the gunfight or something, and it starts with uh, two guys going, "I'll see you in hell, Carmichael." <laughs> <laughs> one second la- later, in hell, and then they bump into each other, Carmichael <laughs> or Pendergast. Excuse me, Pendergast. Is <laughs> yes, <laughs> I wasn't going to correct you, but yes, it's Pendergast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they get a lot of uh, burn out of parroting uh, classic movies like 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. My other favorite was, uh, it's entitled Discovering the Internet. And we have a man uh, going through the Stargate and, and the music's building and he's, and he's flashing like these various emotions until it culminates in, my God, it's full of boobs. <laughs> 
And I, again, just a liminal five second shot right into your veins yes. of, of comedy gold. <laughs> just absolutely brilliant. We, within even five seconds, they still find time to like subvert your expectations. Just so perfect. Yeah. <laughs> One of my personal favorites is a, a father is going to teach his son how to shave. And he says, oh, we'll do it later. And then smash cut to the grave of the father. <laughs> and the kid <laughs> has a full beard. It's like, I shouldn't have waited. <laughs> You just reminded me of another great one um, in which uh, some hillbillies are gathered around a funeral and um, he says uh, one one mourner is devastated and says like I'll never forget his last words and then it cuts the voiceover a a plaintive ghost says his last words were yo Rick check this shit (laughs) again that's the joke that's all you need in like five seconds perfect exactly (laughs) yeah but obviously they really shined in the longer sketches like uh, like grown men are talking yes. and uh the one that became the basis for i think their only feature film thus far mm-hmm. uh, the dude bro party massacre three yes which uh, is so uh, far i think the only thing we've ever given money to kickstarter to or at least i have so. absolutely yes <laughs> yes we gave money to kickstarter after the endless seconds of entertainment that they've <laughs> that they've granted us <laughs> and it was on the basis of a skit where it was like a, a a complete subversion of the Grindhouse trailer, where instead of like buxom coeds getting uh, uh, terrified and having their clothes fall off, it's all do bros at, at a at a weekend, mm. and uh, now all you see is like man tit, and, yep. and they're getting terrorized by a, a, a slasher named Motherface. So, yes. <laughs> See, and that was kind of what they call psychology. Yes. A lot of psychology going on. That was the great thing about them. I like, you talk about their longer sketch, but what I always loved, my personal favorites were always the five second films where they found variations on a theme. So they would do five Mm -hmm. second sketches, but if the idea was worked well enough, they would just do it again or like reiterate on it. Like one of my favorites was Bentley, the break room robot. (laughs) So he's like, he's this very like awkward robot who's like in the break room and trying to make small chalk, but he can't because he's a robot. (laughs) (laughs) And I think probably one of the greatest sketches probably ever committed to the internet. Um, I know this one hangs out in our hearts. Again, they've been doing this for years, I think since like 2007 or so. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think this was when George Lucas sold the rights to Star Wars to Disney. Uh, somebody, uh, Brian Frenzy, the um, kind of leader among equals at Five Second Films, decided to put on his best George Lucas impression and do special editions of his favorite, uh, <laughs> his favorite sketches. Complete with the false fake chin like that covers yeah. up his own. <laughs> I don't know what you yeah. would call that, a fake neck? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but all their stuff is readily available. You know, just to, right on YouTube to download. Yes, exactly. If you have trouble sleeping or whatever, <laughs> as I is <laughs> trouble sleeping because the internet, uh, YouTube just has too many recommendations for you. I mean, it's a great way to pass time quickly. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, this is quite interesting. This is quite apropos because I was going to recommend another sketch comedy troupe or at least something specifically that dated a few years ago, because in a recent announcement, Amazon Prime, or Amazon in and of itself, the horrible monopoly that it is, yeah. um, <laughs> there are some bright spots in its entertainment categories, and they are reviving Kids in the Hall. Ah. Yes. That's This is a highly influential... Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not saying that um, if, if we're going to you know, discuss nostalgia, mm-hmm. I'm not saying uh, two loser adolescents came home immediately and tuned into Comedy Central and watched Kids in the Hall all afternoon instead of doing homework or talking to girls or anything. <laughs> 
I'm not saying that's what happened, but if you were that kind of child growing up, then yes, Kids in the Hall has a special place in your heart. Exactly, and we were we we were in a blessed golden age where we had uh, reruns of Saturday Night Live and we had uh, reruns of Mad TV. But Kids in the Hall always was our favorite because it 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 played in a in a realm of absurdity just levels above the other two. Um, Absolutely, I, uh, I think what helped obviously was the fact that uh, it was Canadian. So obviously it was a, it was a, a different style of comedy than we were used to, and also the fact yep. that it was just men addressed as women half the time. So <laughs> yes, a comedy corollary. Nothing works better if you're if you're tired if you're struggling for a joke. Just put a man in a dress. Exactly. It always works. It's hilarious. <laughs> it never like a f- like never a fails to get yeah. a laugh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I want to. So they have had a, a a bit of a revival a few years ago in 2010. I don't know if you remember, but they did a mini series called Death Comes to Town. Have you ever gotten a chance to see this? No, I never got a chance to. Mm-hmm. I know it was wrapped up in like a again using that word again nostalgic like you know, <laughs> reconsideration of it, and they would have like they would have panel discussions of all the cast members, and they would be like, "Oh, the, no, this was a wonderful skit, and we loved it," you know? <laughs> and that that kind of turned me off a little bit. But um, how was how was Death Comes to Town? Uh, it, it, it was with IFC, right? Or it was like with IFC. I think the way I ended up watching is remember when <laughs> Yahoo had a streaming service for a while? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> they bought the rights to it, and I was able to watch it through there. It's very funny, um, and I think one of the highlights I want to bring up is the fact that Mark McKinney, who was always kind of mm-hmm. like the the straight man to the rest of them, he was always the tall one. He was always kind of like faded into the background. He gets to really shine in Death Comes to Town because he plays yeah. Death himself, who is like <laughs> this aging rocker, I guess is the best way to describe him. But he's just like when he's not wearing his robe, he's in like some kind of metal thong, and he just kind of like lets his gut hang out, and he's just like, ah, <laughs> he's just like. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. I, I wish you, you, you wouldn't be his versatility mm-hmm. by saying that he's a straight man. Dave Foley can play a straight man. Oh, of course. And be a wonderful housewife. They, they all like are destined to be housewives, <laughs> like being catty or oblivious, or <laughs> that's really, that's really where they shine. Exactly. <laughs> and obviously, but obviously, there is one star who shines the brightest, and we all know it's Scott Thompson. I know Especially... Bruce, McCullough, Bruce McCullough shines the prize. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Uh, Scott Thompson is kind of the the first among equals. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one, having like a... I, they aren't known for a lot of characters, but that's that's where he originated the character of Buddy uh, Buddy Hall. Is that Buddy Cole. Yeah. Uh, yeah, where he originated the character Buddy Cole. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> I mean, you're right. Like, they're obviously all equals, but I guess the reason why I have affection for Scott Thompson is that he is the only gay member of the of the group of the group. So, yeah, uh, like, obviously, yeah, at think... least at least out gay members. Yeah, so, <laughs> know, so obviously, sorry. he got to play off those stereotypes a lot more, and just had a had mm-hmm. a well a wealth of of a deep well of things that he could pull from. So that's why he always stuck out to me, and so I I admire him for that. So. And while we're just reminiscing about our favorite sketches, my favorite <laughs> Buddy Cole, the one I revisit often, is uh, Buddy Cole being the coach of a of a lesbian softball team. <laughs> so, so many great one-liners though, on that sketch that I I often repurpose them for this podcast. <laughs> there you go. La- labels. <laughs> Uh, but yes, now uh, now that Amazon's bringing it back, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I assume it's going to be more and more hours of just a frivolous fun, just Gosh, absurd I hope so. humor. We can only hope. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I hope so because it's not it's not like um they've they've rocketed off to stardom. Like yes, they're still working. Like Dave Foley gets a lot of like good voiceover work mm-hmm. and guest spots here. Mark McKenney, I know, has gotten 
roles here and there scott thompson obviously but they've never like been like huge superstars so i hope that they are like, still like <laughs> relatable humans and could still find like absurdity in everyday life so oh i i have a sneaking suspicion they will greg okay okay Phew. Yeah. <laughs> Phew, it's not like says. not like new york like <laughs> not like saturday night live like, oh where... gosh so <laughs> let's do sketches yeah let's do yeah <laughs> let's do sketches about uh i don't know this news conference <laughs> or uh life at the airport huh <laughs> <laughs> who's celebrity's dick can we suck this week yeah <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. yeah well, John, come on, let's not be negative. Come on. You're right, you're right. I mean, that, that's yeah. what Spotlight's for. It's meant to be positive. It's meant to be positive. Yeah. Hey, kids in the hall, five-second films, sketch comedy. Remember yes. sketch comedy? Sketch comedy used yeah. to be everywhere, and now it's it's dead. It's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe to you. I mean, so I hope people fill in this time. But, John, if, if I have time, I want to shine one more Spotlight, John. Oh, 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 my. Okay. Go, go yes. for it. This is this is unexpected. We hadn't planned for I wanna, this. Yeah, no, I hadn't, because I want to shine a spotlight on you, our audience. Oh. Thank you, everybody, for, yes, listening to us babble for <laughs> 173 episodes now. So, again, I'm, I'm heartened by the uh, committed listeners, uh, the people who brought feedback, mostly negative feedback, because we do uh, criticize some of their favorite films <laughs> or make the inappropriate joke here and there. But it means that people are listening, and I, I do appreciate that, because that, that doesn't happen every day anymore. So No, and while our audience is still... In retrospect, quite minuscule. Um, the fact that yeah. we have grown over time is is kind of uh, it's, it's it's inspiring and uh, it's kept us going. Yeah. So, thank you very much for 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 listening and tuning in because there was really obviously no reason to. I mean, we have no we yeah. have no connection to the entertainment industry. We've never done a podcast before. There was really no reason for you to tune in, but you did, and we're happy for it. Thank you. We're really yeah. appreciative. Absolutely. Um, John, is there anything that I don't know you want to reflect on? Like, what do you have some like uh, shining moments from season one? This again, this is season one, inspiring snobs. <laughs> um, I'm just kind of proud of ourselves for sticking to it. And again, like thinking about the the whole impetus of the podcast was I need to see more movies. Now I'm looking at my ratings on IMDb. I'm like, goodness gracious, look how many movies I've seen. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> I have now well, seen uh, officially 60% of the IMDb top 250 and 22% nice. of the 1001 films you need to see before you die. So, <laughs> Okay, great. Uh, John, I'm glad that you um, are heartened by your your efforts so far. I, maybe I'm a glass half empty, but yeah, I'm, I'm daunted by having to see 78% of more movies that I need to see before I die. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that list is kind of very perplexing. Like, they keep adding more yeah. to it, and they include, like, movies like Ford versus Ferrari. Like, really? Like, come on. <laughs> I don't know who's tasked with uh, editorializing and creating that list, but uh, I think we need to have a a nice (laughs) sit-down. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if anybody needs to do a thousand and one things uh, before they die, other than maybe, like, uh, I don't know, like, uh, tell tell your family members I love you. I think that's the only thing that comes to mind. Life is already full of so many anxieties. Like, really, to worry Mm -hmm. about death on top of that as well. I know, especially when it feels so. What's much this closer. urgency? I know. What is this urgency? I mean, it, <laughs> see Ford versus Ferrari before you die. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's not getting any any uh, later. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yep. Death comes yeah. for all of us, except for me. Indeed, it does. I'm gonna live forever. <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> I mean, the one thing I, I encourage people to look at is um, I really like our commentary tracks. That's the one thing I wish we could <laughs> all do more two of, of them in lieu of <laughs> yes, in lieu of irregular episodes. Because 
<laughs> I, th- I feel like this is where our criticisms and affections for movies really shine. Yes. So, I mean, it's much easier to talk about a film as you're watching it and then having to yeah. recollect. Like, especially, obvious- yeah, especially if you're familiar with it. Like, you don't even need to... You can just envision... We've seen The Fugitive, like, a hundred times. So we, you can just envision it, as I'm sure many other, like, listeners have. So you can just envision it as you hear us, like, chime in with mm. that fun stuff. So I mean, what maybe, I hope is fun stuff. Maybe that's what we should do instead. Let's do audio commentaries for every episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two yeah, audio episodes. commentaries on ourselves, yes. <laughs> I mean, who's to say? Like, there's obviously very long podcasts. Why not make it a full 90 minutes, a full two hours? Like, let's do it. Sure. Yeah, people got to fill their work days, so there you go. Or their commutes. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that would be weird. It's meant to be watched or enjoyed with the film in and of itself. But I guess yeah, you can yeah. listen to it yeah. without it. That's just how yeah. good we are. Yeah. <laughs> it's just how talented we are, obviously. Yeah. But hey, also while we're on break, that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to stop following us and enjoying us on social media. Yeah, we'll still be there. I'll still be uh, writing tweets at twitter.com slash aspiring snobs. Mm-hmm. You may do the occasional Facebook posts uh, from abroad. Mm-hmm. I'll be in uh, I'll be in Australia, so Lord knows what the internet's like there. I don't even know if they have it yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll we'll do our best. Uh, maybe you'll uh, post Instagram. That's what I should have said. Yes. Who, who posts the Facebook anymore? Jesus, um, come on. What a, Give it the times, old man. <laughs> okay, boomer. Enjoy yeah. Facebook much? <laughs> Blorb, you're such a spleen. I know. That's what the cool I kids like are seeing, saying these days. I know. I like seeing birth announcements. I like it when my <laughs> friends have kids. <laughs> I love being reminded of everyone's birthday and anniversaries. Oh, joy. Yeah. Really? It's been a year already? Awesome. (laughs) Great. In any event, uh, send your nice messages and missives there. Mm -hmm. And also we have an email, aspiringsnobs at gmail.com. We don't have a schedule going forward, so we need more suggestions. We need more questions. We need more stuff that we're going to read on air. Exactly. And it's looking like we're probably going to start revisiting more movies that we've uh, already seen. So it'll be be more interesting uh, uh, discussions for the podcast coming your way. Absolutely. And... If we can ask just one more thing. I know, I know. We've oh, already course. asked for enough. Yeah. But since we are going away on hiatus, that means our numbers are going to drop dramatically. We're not going to be pushed <laughs> to the top with the, the algorithms anymore. So that's I why. I know, we're not going to be next. To, yeah, you won't see our name next to Joe Rogan <laughs> anymore. So. <laughs> so what you can do in order to help our, juice our numbers is give us five-star mm. ratings on all your podcast listening platforms, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify. Giving us five stars helps raise us to the top. A rising tide lifts all boats and yeah. the algorithms will recommend us and we'll be able to grow our audience even further i won't beg for it but i would appreciate it mm. if you could give us more positive notices and and stars all the stars just love all them. the stars and hearts yeah. and and thumbs up and all the other mm. icons that our, our lives revolve around now so yeah mm. all that beautiful social currency yeah baby yep well again th- we genuinely appreciate your listenership um mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do with my free time now that I'm not going to be doing the show for a month, but we'll find a way. I mean, that'll just give you an excuse to build up more stuff for future spotlights, if we're even doing spotlights. Who yes. Knows? Yeah. It's <laughs> a great point, John. Yeah. But uh, until that day, thank you, everybody, again, from the bottom of our hearts for listening. Yes. And until next time, because there will be a next time, mm-hmm. keep aspiring. 
Well, John, we got to send him out with something good here. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> Fuck, no, you really put me on the spot. Uh, I was just going to put, like, some alternative band that sounded wistful. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, th- come on, if we're not going to be doing this for a while, I, I feel like pulling out one of our greatest hits, okay. and that is Peter O'Toole, <laughs> when he says, my light has come, and the glory of the Lord is driven before me. Here is the rag. Here it goes. Everybody's doing the varsity. Everybody's doing the varsity. Everybody's doing the varsity. Drag. You can pass many a class, whether you're dumb or wise. If you all answer the call when your professor cries, everybody down on the heels. Up on the toes, stay after school, learn how it goes. Everybody do the varsity, everybody do 